there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. Thanks for tuning back in to Living the Sky Life. Today's guest is an autism mama friend of mine and also fellow blogger, Jen Dunn. Jen and I came into um, our friendship and our connection through um, a blog group that we're both part of, and I enjoy following her journey uh, with her daughter throughout her weekly blogs. Um, Jen Dunn is the mother of a beautiful 10-year-old daughter, Kaya, who was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Jennifer and Kaya live in Vancouver, Canada. Jennifer works full-time and also manages Kaya's team of therapists. She is beyond proud to be on this journey with her incredible daughter. And I have linked up, um, you can follow Jen and Kaya's journey via her Facebook page, Keeping Up With Kaya. So please enjoy my conversation today with Jen Dunn. So I'm really excited for my guest today on Living the Sky Life is Jen Dunn, all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. So welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thank you for having me, Lori. Absolutely. Well, we uh, met each other through our blogging group that we have um, within Coop's Troop. Um, so I'm so glad we all were brought together, people who like to write and share every detail about our lives. <laughs> every <of> detail. <laughs> So I kind of want to start out for people who might not be familiar with you and your beautiful daughter, Kaya, um, just a little bit about your journey and, um, you know, why you started your blog, um, Keeping Up With Kaya. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Kaya? Yes, I would love to. Kaya is, Kaya was diagnosed with autism when she was two and a half mm-hmm. and she's turning 11 in April. And she is a little spitfire. <laughs> she was nonverbal until she was five. She actually didn't speak her first word until she was five years old. Not a word, not a mama, not a dada, no babble, nothing. Um, and we've had quite a journey. She also didn't eat um, food. She didn't chew or swallow her first solid food until she was eight. Wow. So I put her through a feeding clinic in Vancouver, which is amazing. Um, and so her feeding journeys, yeah, she didn't start eating until she was eight years old. So we've had a little backwards with all of that stuff. Um, and then as we entered into all of that, we hit the aggression world Mm -hmm. and that was a whole journey on its own with meds. And now we're settling into, um, just a calming sort of trying to keep her steady as much as we can. So yeah, but was her she's, was her um, feeding issue a, a different diagnosis of? I mean, is there a clear diagnosis for that, or they don't really know why she? No, just a lot of kids, kiddos with autism, as you know, have aversions to food. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't sure. eat much. Mm-hmm. She ate um, eight things, but none were considered like Cheerios is not considered a solid food because it dissolves, so babies can eat them. Um, yeah, she just wouldn't chew or swallow or try anything. So she went through a nine day intense intervention at a clinic. Wow. 
So yeah. it, it was more texture, I'm guessing, than for her. Just the, I have a friend Textures, that has kind of a gag no. reflex that yeah. any texture makes makes him gag. And... She she wouldn't even allow food at the table. So she was that, um, yeah, she wouldn't even let it anywhere in her vicinity. If she could smell food, she would leave. So oh, restaurants yeah. weren't an option because there's food everywhere. If we were at a family dinner, she would not sit at the table with anybody because she'd want all the food off the table. Well, there's 10 people at the table. We can't clear the table, kid. So yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, what a challenge. Yeah. I can't even fathom what that would be like. Yeah, this clinic was, I wish everybody had access to it. Um, it's kind of the only one here. Apparently they're quite common in the U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, here, they really are the only one. It was $10,000 for nine days. It was the best money I ever spent. Yeah. The best money I ever spent. I would do it again if we needed to. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So now what is her, uh, food journey kind of taking her to now? Is she pretty open to everything or is she still no, pretty? No, she's still pretty rigid. So she eats what's presented to her. Um, I still have the feeding clinic come once or twice a month. We still do our sessions holds myself accountable, holds her accountable. Um, so if I want to introduce a new food, I bring in the therapist to do it. But she walked in, like I said, eating eight foods that were not um, considered solid foods. This morning, I just made her an organic egg, two eggos and organic strawberries. I'm big on organic just because a few will bug me, but she hadn't eaten food. And I figured if we're going to introduce her to food, she's only going to eat what we introduce her to. Sure. So I wanted to introduce her to the healthiest things I could because Kaya didn't poop. Kaya didn't sleep. Kaya had black, literally looked like she had black eyes all the time. She was so malnutrition. She was white, like almost just, you could see right through her. She was not healthy. And that was mm -hmm. the whole thing for me was getting her healthy. Yeah. Um, for lunch, I send her a turkey sandwich, crust soft, cucumbers, cheese, strawberries, you know, that snacky stuff. Like I send mm -hmm. her two treats. Yeah. And then dinner, she either has a, um, chicken, turkey, organic meatballs. She pretty much eats any meat except steak. We haven't tried steak yet. It's pretty chewy. Yeah. Roasted potatoes, carrots, broccoli, cucumber, cauliflower. She loves eggplant, which is the feeding clinic was so blown away by egg. They're like, <laughs> kids come out eating a different chicken nugget. They don't come out eating eggplant and cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she has a sophisticated, sophisticated right? palate, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. So she eats really well, but she does eat. But she would never sit down and try a bowl of pasta kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Still That's very restricted so, in what she eats. It's so yeah. smart to, to introduce organic, you know, I, it, since you couldn't have done that at age two or three, if you would have, right. um, that's so right. smart to do that. You know, it's the challenge for a lot of us comes to even just going gluten-free or casein-free. Yes. They, they're used to what a chicken nugget tastes like from McDonald's yes. versus yes. the whole foods version. And they're like, uh, this is not what I am used to. Which is what most people don't understand is they're mm -hmm. like, we'll just give them something else. And you know, our kids just won't eat something else. Right. So that's what the clinic said. The kids come in and they try to get them on different brands of chicken fingers. Mm -hmm. Different brands of cheeseburgers, not coming out eating eggplant and <laughs> chicken yeah. breasts. Now, did yeah. she, when she went to school before um, age eight, when she wasn't really eating anything table food, did you just send a lunch with her to just, so she fit in I and did. all of that? That's what my girlfriend did with her son. And yeah. I, I remember in kindergarten getting a note sent home saying, and I almost lost my mind. Please send her with healthier options. <laughs> oh, lady, you come on over and make that lunch. So I would send her with goldfish Cheerios. She ate until she was eight years old, the baby organic food pouches. 
Mm -hmm. I'd buy 400 every three weeks. I had a, an arrangement with a grocery, local grocery store. If I had my order in by three o'clock on Tuesdays, I'd have a pallet delivered on Thursdays. So we had it down pretty good because <laughs> 400 every three weeks is a lot of pallet food pouches yeah. to try to find. Um, so I'd send her that and yeah, just That's so as funny much of it as I could. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have pictures of the pallets at your house. I do. I mean, that is I the do. perfect visual for a lot of autism families. It's yeah. like when yeah. you find a food or a clothing mm -hmm. item with a certain texture, anything that our kids will not fight against, we will buy them in every quantity available to man. <laughs> and it got stressful because she would change odd, the odd time the flavor would change. So then I'd have to go on the hunt for this new flavor. And it's not always easy to find those quantities. Yeah. And I phoned um, somehow Heinz Canada found maybe the stores were trying, people were desperately trying to find me this food and 400 pouches showed up at my office one day that Heinz Canada sent me at no charge. Hope this helps Aww. you get through the month. And I was like, huh, thank you. And how did you know this? Which was just, it just took off so much pressure off me in that time of not being able to find this food. Yeah. So I thought that was really amazing. Yeah. You guys should become their spokesperson, like do commercials right? and stuff. <laughs> it was so kind of them. You yes. know, that little thing to them, I'm sure was, I mean, not a big deal, but it literally took off a month's pressure of me trying to find the food. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. It, it's funny. Every week at the grocery store, my daughter calls me the, the breakfast bowl bandit because like my Skylar will only eat the Jimmy Dean's sausage breakfast bowl. It's got eggs and potatoes and uh, sausage in it and cheese. And he will only eat those. He won't eat the bacon one. He won't eat any other kind. Yep. He knows the box I've found at Aldi. I found like a, a generic kind of version of those. Um, it's the same colors on the box, but it's not the same box. And yeah. he knows it. And he's he knows like, it. Nope. So I ransacked the freezer section. I buy all that they have. And my daughter's like so embarrassed because my cart's full yeah. of all these, but it's all they eat. So I yeah. have to get them. That was the really, same. Really. I know people look at you like, could you save one pouch for another kid? I know. Nope. Nope. Your kid will eat anything on this shelf. Get away from my banana bliss. <laughs> I imagine the pandemic made it difficult. Did it make it difficult in Canada well, for you to get some of the stuff? Thankfully she's, um, she's, she, a couple of years now in of eating. So we're not on the, on the, the punch for that pouches anymore. So oh, yeah. On to the next so thing. So that was, yeah. <laughs> on to the next thing. Exactly. Well, when did you start blogging about um, your adventures with Kaya and keeping up with Kaya? So I think like many, I was following Kate at Finding Cooper's Voice and <laughs> uh, pretty inspired by her openness and nobody really knew Kaya had autism, not because I was embarrassed or ashamed. I just didn't really talk about it because I didn't know a lot about it. And I was, you know, kind of struggling with her diagnosis. And one night in the middle of the night, I, you know, create a page, I created a page and I went from there. I didn't do a lot with it. Um, it's grown quite a bit the last year, but I just started kind of videotaping myself in my closet um, and I would do video blogs in my closet and, and upload them. And then I started writing and it became very therapeutic for me, mm -hmm. very therapeutic for me. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of went from there. So I've had it a little over four years, but really only been active with it for about two. Yeah. Like really I mean, active with it. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of felt like when I, um, when I started like blogging and then when I wrote my book, I, I just kind of said to myself, I don't really 
I mean, I care, but I don't really care. It doesn't validate my feelings or my journey. If people are reading it like by the mm-hmm. thousands, I would love that to be able to share our story and help someone else or whatever. But it was so therapeutic, like you said, mm-hmm. for me to just put the, it's like my own little diary of, of yeah. stuff. And what helped me with writing the book is going back at all the notes that I had kept and all the little journals that I had written to, you know, dig into that old information when he was young yeah. and yeah. have forgotten some of the things and some of yeah. the details. So it's nice to yeah. have that journal for her, you know, I'm definitely, not, yeah, for sure. I'm not, um, I think I learned along the way to not be so open, maybe not be quite as honest as I was. <laughs> I definitely don't write the way I used to. I don't do videos the way I used to. Um, but I think that's as the page grows and the internet trolls come out and everybody has an opinion about what you're doing. And yeah, so I scaled it back a little bit, but I'm, I think I'm still pretty open about it, but definitely not like I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And maybe well, that's I'm, not a bad thing. Yeah. I like that you're honest and vulnerable. I, I prefer to read the blogs of all of my friends that are telling it like it is, and you have a bad day and you're writing about yeah. it. Everyone yeah. can't think that our days are, we're always smiling and it's like, oh, no big deal. They just trashed yeah. our house, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah it's really <laughs> fine. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> Human and we have feelings. <laughs> so Yes. Have you gotten, um, you know, some heartwarming messages though from some of the things that you've I, written? I have, I get some, um, I receive some really nice messages in my inbox. Um, and I get, a, I actually get quite a bit of, uh, quite a few emails from people. Yeah. Grandmas, a lot of grandmas message me. Um, moms just saying, thank you. I don't feel insane or less alone today, that kind of stuff. So that's nice. It sort of validates the hard from other people, you know, because people always have an opinion about sharing her life and know how is she gonna feel and um you know I don't how do, how do I say this Kaya can Kaya's been reading and writing since she was two but whether she could read it and think oh my mom wrote that about me and then have a feeling about it like an emotion I don't know where we'll be at when she's 18 you know yeah that's where we um, struggle the most I think is identifying feelings emotions yeah. understanding that part of it yeah. um well I, I'm sure you've connected with parents who have also children with feeding issues. Mm-hmm. I would think that that more than the autism maybe has really brought some people out of the woodwork that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was anyone else that had these dual struggles going on. Um, ha- have you gotten some of that? Yeah, I've either gotten, well, it must be nice to have $10,000 to do that. <laughs> well, lady, I put it on a credit card and I just paid it off last year if you want to know the truth because, well, autism is expensive, Yeah. but I got a lot of points on my credit card, so I always joke about that. Um, and yeah, a lot, a lot of people, I did, um, I did a feeding video with Kate and I put up some links to her first eating and a lady messaged me and said they tried it on the plate and um, their, their son uh, smelled it, which was a huge step for him. So yeah, just, just using the tools that she, um, I wasn't allowed in the room, but there was video. And then I was allowed to use a link. So I've shared that with some people. And well, that's nice. I mean, that makes it worth it, doesn't it? You know, sharing our stories and taking some backlash sometimes. Yeah. It helps somebody. (laughs) I think it's worth it. (laughs) Some days, maybe I don't. (laughs) Maybe I would say the opposite of that. Um, Well, I mean, since we're on the topic of uh, media and a lot of things going around, I know that we all have recently talked a lot about the situation in Ohio with the child in the special needs classroom that 
had the paper stapled to his head, allegedly. I have to keep saying that because I don't think it's, it's all come out yet and it's finalized. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just recently had um, uh, the attorney for that family on the podcast, and we were just talking about just rights in general of our kids. Do you, I mean, I'm sure all of us have concerns when we take our children to any center, any mm -hmm. school, any anything, um, particularly those of us with nonverbal kids. But, you know, does, do stories like that just really take, make you take a step back a little bit and, and you worry about Kaya maybe where you wouldn't have before or what does that We've stuff had a, do to you? Yes, because, you know, when you're sending your, and she was nonverbal, again, not a word till she was five and late in the five. So she went to start a kindergarten in grade five. She was completely nonverbal, you know, so you're leaving your child in the hands of people that you really don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and there were some, there were some things that happened in kindergarten and, um, and then it was into grade one. And um, I went to a, the superintendent, I went with pictures and videos and Snapchat pictures, and I didn't even get an email back. I mean, it was bad. Um, I sent in a BCBA to her kindergarten because she started getting really aggressive. I didn't know what was happening. They were um, tying her feet to the bottom of her chair so she couldn't stim. And they were putting her, oh yeah, they put her in a cloakroom and a parent called me, they found me on Facebook, hysterically called me crying, said, do you know that your daughter's in a cloakroom? So I went into the school like a lunatic. It's like a movie. I went raging past the receptionist. I ran, I opened the door into the principal's office and we had it out. And she said, well, we put flowers in there. And I said, I don't care if you bleep and put Donald Duck in there. Don't you ever put my daughter in there again. So I brought in a BCBA, long story short, an eight page report was turned in the next day saying she immediately needs to be pulled from this school. They're doing serious harm to her. And then in grade one, her education assistant um, wasn't paying attention on a field trip and Kaya was found knee deep in a pond unattended. Kaya could not swim. And the school lied and tried to cover it. And then the six o'clock news ended up meeting me in front of the school, did a six o'clock news report on it. Oh and gosh. so I, I was that mom, the school couldn't stand because I just had enough of it. Um, and they, there, there was a lot of stuff happening in our community with special needs children. And so they got wind of it through social media, met me at the school and did a full interview on it. And yeah. <laughs> was any action yeah. taken? Was it a regular, nope. I mean, I always say regular, I, I just mean like public school or was it a, it's a, a public school? school? Is okay. it, yeah, they don't, they don't really have those here anymore. Um, okay. Um, there's like one up in the interior that's for children with autism, but they're, I hate saying they, but our children are basically mainstreamed. Um, I will say this year, she has for the last two years, a wonderful education assistant. I couldn't ask for anybody better, um, anyone better, but it was not easy. Now, granted, she never had anything stable to her head. I'm so grateful for that, but, but the neglect is there and Kaya couldn't, couldn't tell me she, it was her um, I've always had a full-time nanny for Kaya um, that picks her up after school. And she said, you know, she comes home once sometimes, not a big deal. She's a puddle jumper, but Jen, she has mud in her underwear. I said, mud in her underwear. Well, then I started investigating. Then two parents came forward. One was a pack president who was as thick as thieves with the school, but she just in good conscience as a parent couldn't not tell me. And she said, your daughter, she was one of the parents that found her and another autism mom. Uh, middle of a pond, knee deep, unattended. Who knows how deep that pond went? And you know, the teacher said to me, well, nobody else in this class wandered into the pond. 
Oh, oh my God, God, lady. Oh my God, lady. Deep breath, Jen. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Yeah. So we've had our runs, run-ins with schools, um, but there's a new principal at our school who was a uh, special education teacher previously to becoming a principal. So the whole foundation of the school has changed. I couldn't, couldn't be happier with where she is now. It's just sad you have to go through that stuff to find the good stuff or to even have yeah. to worry about those things. My biggest yeah. fear is the PTSD and all of the stuff that we can't see. I mean, just because Kaya couldn't come home and tell you like, hey, I was stuck in this closet or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, she is internalizing all of that, that she's being punished, that she did something wrong and mm -hmm. doesn't know how to rationalize those feelings. That yeah. How do you th give therapy to get rid of that? We don't even yeah. know. Yeah. what she understood and what she didn't about didn't, where she yeah. was. Oh my gosh. That just upsets yeah. me. So it was pretty bad. Yeah. So clearly this whole McCade situation really hit home with you. And it did, it did hit home with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Cause I don't know what else she went through, you know, her yeah. speech language pathologist who was with us from four on firmly to this day believes something happened to her in kindergarten. Um, Obviously, there's no accusations, not, not making any, but there was a big shift in her when mm -hmm. she started that, when she started school and all of those things that were happening. Um, I'll never know. Did she seem fearful know. when you dropped her off, like for first she grade? She didn't I mean, seem hesitant fearful, to go? but she was fight or flight at all times. Okay. Um, and the aggression was just over the top. So... And that's when it started was in kindergarten, but yeah. I'd get aggressive if someone had my feet tied to a chair as well. Right. So, but the, the catch to all that always is, you know, with autism, a lot of times comes aggression just naturally because their mm -hmm. bodies work against them. And, you know, yeah. Skylar, I know is that way. And he's always been that way. And we're, you know, trying different methods to, to curtail some of that. Um, but I wouldn't know if it was as a result of something that was happening mm. at school, making it worse. I just assumed yeah, it's an autism thing. And I, you know, I'm not sure if that's what started or kind of brought it on. I know autism. I mean, we still deal with aggression to this day, mm -hmm. but the root of it, I, I'll never know. Well, thank God for those parents. You know, I think that's yes. the biggest thing that I wrote in my blog about that article is I just, it was a call to action for parents everywhere to mm -hmm. just, if you mm -hmm. notice something, even if you feel like it's not your place to step in, if you're a neurotypical parent and kids are mainstreamed and you see a child that maybe looks out of place or doesn't look like they should be where they are, they had, they hesitate about around a, a, an aide or a teacher or something, just say something, say something, let us dig into it. You don't have to feel like you're getting involved and stepping into something you shouldn't please. I mean, speak up. Because it costs you're going to save of, our kids. It costs a lot of ruffles with parents because, you know, the, I remember when mom came up to me on the playground and said, how dare you tell that story about what happened in the pond? You're, you're ruining the, the good name of our school. And then this other mom kind of, I remember coming flying out of nowhere. She's an autistic kid. And she's like, what if that was your son Yeah. in that pond? Like, what if that was your kid? And, you know, so it did cause a lot of um, tension for a long time. Yeah. Cause I didn't keep my mouth shut about it. And I don't really care about the school's good name. If you're going to leave my kid unattended. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people out there with the school of thought that our kids with disabilities should not be mainstreamed and should not be in yeah. traditional classrooms because it's, you know, the teachers, um, 
attention is redirected to our kids and it's taking away from their kids and their learning. And I, and I get that perspective that our kids need extra hands, but then those are also sometimes the same school systems that say, well, we can't afford aids. We can't afford shadows next to your child. You know, that's just not how it works here. So if, if that's what you need, then this isn't the place for you. I mean, we just don't know where we fit in either yeah. with our kids. Yeah. So yeah, it's tough. It's terrible. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I swear and I could then, write a whole book on the school system. Wow. Yeah, you should. And then I yeah. you get to the place where I am, where they're getting close to um, aging out of services. And I, I don't know what we're going to do at that point. Um, Cause there's really no place for him either. So uh, yeah. Well, um, switching gears a little bit more on Kaya and, um, you know, what, what do you want people to know about her, about what makes her happy and what, what she enjoys and brings a smile to her face and all of that? So she is um, amazing, like all of our kiddos. She is really funny. It's, it's, really, it's really neat to see because her language is just exploding now at 10, just exploding, awesome. where she's saying um, meaningful things, not just random words or, you know, being echolalic, but she's funny. She's funny. And, you know, when she's not, when, she, when anxiety doesn't have her wrapped around the neck, she's just a silly, happy, funny little girl that loves to do ballet that she just started about uh -huh. back to ballet again last week. Um, and she loves people. She loves kids. She loves being included. She loves just, she just loves everybody. She's, mm -hmm. you know, we're working on boundaries. Sometimes she loves people a little too much, <laughs> but you know, we're working on that. Yeah, mm -hmm. She's just really funny. She's a funny kid. Well, that's cool. And then who does she get that from? <laughs> you? Uh, prob uh, probably not. Probably from her dad. Probably not from me, but she'll say things like she'll do something and I'll be like, oh, and she's like, it's a little bit funny, mommy. <laughs> it's like, well, it's kind of not, but now it really is kind of funny, Kaya. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially if they do something kind of uh, naughty or they yeah. make a mess. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I can get like, you to it's laugh. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's a little bit funny, mommy. All right. You got it. It is kid. It is mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Well, I'm our just... jobs as parents, any parent, it's stressful and um, exhausting at times, but you know, dealing with sometimes lack of sleep and the aggression, oh. all the other stuff is a little What's overwhelming. It's the sleep you speak of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I zombie walk that? every day yeah. through this life. I feel like. Oh, you're 18 years in. Doesn't give me a lot of hope, Lori. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> it doesn't always get better. But uh, so how do you take care of yourself? I mean, you're constantly oh. caring for her, obviously. And, you know. Yeah, I am. Um, well, I didn't. <laughs> I haven't up until probably the, well, the last 11 weeks, I decided um, I have to live forever. I was getting really heavy because, you know, emotions and autism and um, I ate my feelings. <laughs> I think um, we all are guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. And I just finally decided I have to get healthy and I decided to um, eat better, drink more water. Um, and I've probably feel the best I've felt in um, I've lost a little over 24 pounds. I have 24 plus to go, but awesome. I, good job. thank you. Yeah. It's the first time I, I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I decided it needed to be a priority because 
being overweight and tired all the time anyway, and all of those things on top of it um, just wasn't good for me. It wasn't giving her good habits. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I finally decided to take care of myself. Good for you. I Finally. love that. I mean, it's never too yeah. late. You know, we all are it's like never us. too late, right? Yeah. I mean, and I've tried every diet and I failed and I'm good for a week and then I, I fail and I gain more weight, but I was just, mm-hmm. um, I started with a, a bunch of other autism mamas. We all started together to support each other and it's been really good. Yeah. Great. Even if you yeah. can get just, just taking the five minutes away to just go for a walk or something, yeah. all the rest of it, I feel like comes, you know, well, with it. If you get, if you carve out that little bit of time, then you start feeling so good that you're like motivated to change your lifestyle. Diets don't work, you know? No, no, they don't. It's just too strict and we can't live strict lives. Our our lives are so have to be flexible. Well, you know, that's the whole thing too, is, you know, when you're not sleeping all night and then you've got a kid that's aggressive and screaming, it's hard to really stay focused on many things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would always turn to food and, um, yeah, so I'm hoping we're on a, I'm on a better path now. 11 well, weeks, that that's have... the longest I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think good, the, support, <laughs> the support system with the other autism moms is yeah, perfect. I think that's exactly it, right? what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Holding each other accountable. And, and if you have a bad day, they get it. And they're like, don't worry about it. Yes. Start again tomorrow. It's fine. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, any words of advice? I mean, you know, with Kaya almost being 11, you've been through a lot of stuff in 11 years, almost 11 years. Um, if people are just kind of getting started on their journey, or even if they're noticing that their children are having aversions to food, things like that, is there anything that you would maybe go back and tell your younger self to, to do differently or to think about differently, approach differently? With food, the thing I would tell myself differently is don't wait till they're eight. Kaya was the oldest case they'd had in the clinic. Oh, Usually wow, they get okay. the kids at two, three, four. Um, so if you're seeing those severe food aversions, Again, there's a difference between a picky neurotypical child, picky eater, and then a child with autism that literally would starve to death before trying another food. Don't wait. Um, In the U.S., there's apparently clinics all over the place. Yeah. The the way it affected her her body. Um, Kaya couldn't poop. Kaya couldn't, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah. that's what I would say. Sooner. Take it head on. It's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. Were you just kind of waiting, thinking, you know, she would eventually eat it when she was hungry or grow out of it or. No, I just, I actually really didn't think it would get as bad as it did. And, and then time just kind of rolled over into the next year. And, you know, there was always something we were working on speech. We were trying to get school figured out. There was just always something until it just got so bad. She couldn't go to the bathroom and she would be in the shower for, you know, an hour and a half with the water, hot water on her back, straining to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I knew we had to make some changes. Yeah. So, yeah. Has that, has that left her with, um, lifelong or, you know, GI problems or anything like that? She still can't go to the bathroom without bleeding. Um, poor baby. And it, it took a good, I thought immediately she'd start going to the bathroom because the food's getting through your system and yeah. all the blueberries it took a good year for her body to start to regulate itself a little bit. So yeah. she still struggles to go to the bathroom. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that comes with the fear of going to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Cause it's yeah. so painful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for feeding, I would say it won't get any better. It'll only get, they will only get more rigid. 
So if you can take tackle that head on, I, I would say tackle it head on mm -hmm. because her, it was her speech therapist who was, did everything, just changed our lives, said, um, if this kid isn't eating, nobody can expect anything. Her little brain is not getting nourishment. Yeah. She can't think, she can't concentrate. She yep. can't sleep. She's uncomfortable all the time. You need to get this kid to eat. And so it was her speech therapist of all people that led us into the feeding clinic journey yeah, through her heard, OT. But yeah, yeah, I've heard that correlation though, too, because with, with speech sometimes, I mean, they're working on facial muscles and sometimes kids don't have the muscular. She um, had the same as Cooper. She had, yeah, to swallow no, and to eat mm -hmm. anyway. She had no strength because she'd mm -hmm. not really chewed. She just didn't have the strength in the muscles to chew. So yep. yeah. That's how Skylar yeah. is. That's <laughs> yeah, wild, isn't it? I know. Yeah. And that's why I'm just, I, I completely understand with his GI issues and his low muscle tone, his brain wants to do all of these things, but his body right. just doesn't cooperate with him with yeah. pretty much anything. So yeah. We have to yeah and like she said, imagine, yeah, she said, imagine feeling the way she feels all the time. Essentially. So the feeding clinic said that a lot of the reasons kids wake up so much in the night is they're hungry. Yeah. They're hungry. And so they can't sleep. So it all, it's all a correlation. Like it's just all together. And you just mm -hmm. have to fix one thing at a time. Yep. That's good yep. advice right there. <laughs> that one thing at a time. It's hard because we want to tackle yeah. it all. We want to fix all of it and make their lives better. But one thing plays off the other and you can't yes. jump right to talking until you fix all this other stuff or whatever the issue is. For us, yeah. it's toilet training. We just can't get there because his GI is so messed up. That so messed up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's far down the line. I'm not even worried about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pick it. Pick your, pick your battles, right? Yes, for sure. Oh my goodness. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're sleep deprived and <laughs> running around like crazy, like the rest of us, but, um, oh, goodness. thank you well, for thank you. putting your blog out there and all the vulnerability that you put in it. Again, it's keeping up with Kaya and I'll link up the pages. Um, so people can follow you. Um, thank you so much for your journey. Me. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was good to see you and um, we'll be talking, I know, very soon on our blog group. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Right. Take care. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.